Hello, Cinefans, and welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on our episode. But before we get to that, we're going to start with the wrestler himself, the now pre-podbescent boy, Justin. <laughs> hey, Cinefans, how's everybody doing? When I'm not picking somebody up and tossing them into a crowd in a wrestling ring, I'm chilling, reviewing, and watching movies. How's everybody doing? Promo every damn time. All right. Then after that, we have the girl that is too drunk on wine to actually come up with an intro this time, Heather. <laughs> I feel like that's my story every week, but hey guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And next we have the man on three hours of sleep, and he does apologize for that, Devin. Hey, thanks for making the choice for listening to the man with the caramel voice. And now our special guest, the director of On the Run for Rebel Without a Crew, and are we good parents? For South by Southwest, Bola again. What's up? How y'all is? We're so glad you're here, Bola. How's that for an intro? <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Hi guys. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, that was that was definitely a, a wrestler intro for for Jeff. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was like, yo, I feel like I'm in the yeah. ring. There you go. He's got After some experience course, with that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, we're just going to start with the three questions that we introduced in our Alejandro podcast. We're going to start it off. What are your top three movies and TV shows? Um, I okay. So I kind of thought of like I thought of three movies, and then I thought of a bunch of TV shows <laughs> because I was like, oh, but there's all this stuff that I like. I can't stop watching, and it's so true. And so my three favorite movies are Gattaca, which is like mm. been my favorite movie mm. for like. I don't know, 15 nice. years. Like it's been, and it's one of those, exactly. It's one of those like people don't think of, you know, I'm not doing the Schindler's list and like, yeah, right. you know, 2001 like lists, you know, okay, that's cool. You know, film nerds, but, um, <laughs> Gattaca is my favorite because, it, you know, just about a guy who was pretty much against all odds and still made his goal, which I, it's just like something that I feel has always touched me as a filmmaker, as a person and like always coming up against you maybe genetically disposition to not do this thing and you can still do it yeah. so that's why i've always loved that movie mm -hmm. um and then snatch because it's fucking funny Hell nice yeah. <laughs> snatch is it's hilarious. fucking awesome <laughs> it's so great it's so great it's so great and then fight club because i could tell you from like opening credits to end credits why that movie's amazing <laughs> and the tv shows i thought of was like black mirror because i'm that's amazing that. and, i love that uh, show entourage because i'm a right yeah. It's so great. Like the modern, I never would have thought that a modern Twilight could yeah, work. Yeah, it totally does. Like it lay with the, it really, really does. Mm -hmm. Like the anthology, the, the technology aspect of it makes it so much more connected to the Relatable. now. Like it yeah. just, it's, it's mm -hmm. really well done. Yeah. And scary, you know, fucking oh, scary yeah. at times. <laughs> True. Um, Entourage, cause I'm a dork. Because I'm a, I've, I've watched that since before I got in the movie business, and it's weird how true a lot of that shit is. <laughs> um, the Handmaid's Tale and Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, that's Game a good list. That's Tale. solid. Love, Love that. That's a solid list. Thank you. That's a solid list. All right. The follow up to that is, yeah. What's your biggest guilty pleasure movie? This one I had a hard time with <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, okay, what are the movies that other people are like, this sucks, and I'm like, but it's amazing. Actually, you know what? As soon as I said that out loud, I thought of something I didn't ha write down. <laughs> And it was Sucker Punch. Nice. Oh. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. oh, wow. So speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of 
getting sucked oh. punch. Um, <laughs> now the next part of that is uh, why? <laughs> That's so funny, guys. I did not write. I just was saying it out loud. What was your like, other one? I just want to know. That sucker punch. Right? I just want to know, just to compare. I did not think of it, and I realized, fucking sucker punch. Well, okay, so rom-coms are just, like, you know, corny, and, like, they're too bright and all that shit. So I chose The Holiday. I chose, uh, because I always watch it. If it's on, I watch it. And then um, (laughs) The Family Stone, which is, like, one of those forgettable movies. Like Nobody knows what that movie is. I remember that movie. I love that movie, too. I remember that I remember that movie. <laughs> yes, so I love that movie. And then the Neutron, right? <laughs> exactly. See, guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure. And then the Neutron, the Neutron, okay. because like there's so many annoying tropes in it, but like uh, the music is amazing because Daft Punk, duh. That's right. Um, and then the visuals are great, but like you know the story isn't the greatest. It's fine. I'm I'm enjoying the visuals. It's all good. But yeah, but now that I like sit here and talk to you guys, I'm like, oh my God, my guilty pleasure is Sucker Punch. It really is. I'm glad that we brought that out of you, Bola. That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> you did. You re- you really did. And the reason why, the reason why Sucker Punch, I think it's kind of obvious though. Like Sucker Punch is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and kind of for the same reasons I like Tron is like awesome soundtrack, awesome visuals. Like to me, the best version of, of Sucker Punch would it be like if you could get the movie without dialogue. Hmm. <laughs> All right. If you Fair could enough. get the movie <laughs> without dialogue, like just turn off them talking anytime and you just like they just say nothing and you can just enjoy the movie. I think that's where you really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's brilliant. Like there is some way, like don't forget about why all of a sudden they've gone through this like inception of different worlds or whatever. Like, this world within a world within a world of like what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're in this one plane where they're like in a brothel kind of a thing. And then when they dance, all of a sudden it's another world where it's sort of like a video game. Mm. And then when they're done dancing, they're back into the world where they're in the brothel. Well, really, they're in an insane asylum, right? <laughs> so if you get rid of the dialogue and forget about all that shit, because it's weird and doesn't make sense, then it's an amazing movie. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I okay. really like the take on that. Like, if you get rid of the movie... It's it's a good movie. Like that's a <laughs> just to, to piggyback off of what you said. Uh, okay, Bola, don't take this wrong, but um, with you liking Entourage and Sucker Punch, you like really dig on some sexism because like Sucker Punch is just like I know, fucking I know, right? it, like fucking it's, Entourage I, okay, is like I am, awful. It comes to that. I am I am kind of a dude. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I think when when a girl says she likes uh, Entourage, I'm like, oh, all right, well, you're not. You're not going to get mad if I talk about titties, I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like in Entourage, it's totally, it, it's, it's, um, what is it? The world? It's authentic to the world. Like mm-hmm. it's authentic to what it is to be in the world as like top of your game, movie star. You can have anybody and anything you want. And the, you know, men are somewhat like some men are disgusting and some men are like trying to do right. Like E. But, you know, I think when you break it down, I think that's what I mostly connect with is when you break it down, Entourage is not a movie. It's not a show about the business. It's not a show about Hollywood and the disgusting things that come with it. It's about friendship and how that keeps these guys together through anything and everything that goes wrong in this crazy ass town. Hmm. So I think that's what I'm connecting to when it comes to Entourage. Okay. Hmm, that's very good. nice. Very nice. Nice. 
<laughs> I mean, because that's what you, you do as a filmmaker. You always have to break it down to what it is. <laughs> ah, I know, right? They're like, oh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed Entourage, but it was mo- mainly because of the naked ladies. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, you guys. Like, okay, so when I was watching Entourage, I like I just moved to LA, and when I got to the Warner Brothers lot, which they do feature a lot because it is a Warner Brothers show. Um, you know, it's, it was kind of cool. Cause like, all I wanted to do was be on those sets. I wanted to be on those lots and I wanted to hang out and be like, that's the world that I wanted to join. So I feel like that's also like yeah. just part of it. It's just yeah. Yeah, For sure. yeah. being a part of Hollywood and yeah. It's awesome. But yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> that makes sense. Cause you kind Thank of relate you. to it more on like a, like that's kind of your world a little bit in a sense more than a lot of other people dude so. they got so much right they <laughs> did really they? did like the publicists they're like yeah like the publicists who are like pretty but cutthroat you know what i mean like mm-hmm. those those are the, how publicists are they're usually like the pretty girls who got a degree in in public relations and then you've got the movie star who doesn't read the scripts <laughs> but like <laughs> only listens to his manager who may or may not know what he's doing <laughs> and then the asshole like agent no offense to any agents listening to this but like the agent who's just sort of out for himself like trying to just do the crunch the numbers and do what he needs to do and sort of treats people around him you know not the best um the scary studio heads and the paparazzi and the the lead like it just it got so many things right like it just nice is very accurate oh i met real and i met real life e and I, when I worked on, really? um, I worked on Ted too. Hmm. Yeah. I worked on Ted too. So I met, so I was working with Mark Wahlberg and he really does have like his little entourage. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I met real E and I freaked the fuck out. I like had to kind of remind myself to be professional. Cause like, but I, cause like I said, I, I love entourage. And so when I met real E, when I shook his hand and he's like, Oh, I mean, it's like, <gasps> it's fucking E. And then I met, uh, I met, um, I met drama as well. I oh, was like, did? Oh my God, yes. you're Johnny drama. Yeah. <laughs> you're Johnny drama. <laughs> and like, literally I had to tell Johnny drama to just like go to costumes. I'm like J- drama, go to costumes. Like <laughs> you were his boss. Like, I need you to off you the set. bossed him around. To do what you need to do. That's yeah. great. I bossed Johnny drama around real life. Johnny drama. And that was sort of a dorky moment for me of like, I love these guys. <laughs> and now they're your coworkers or your peers, you know? Yeah. That's happened a lot. I mean, that kind of lends into one of your questions. But before we get to that one, I'll, I'll do the, you know, Sterling. Um, I'll help you out there a little bit, dad driving. Um, <laughs> steering it back, steering it back. <laughs> I'm steering it back. I'm steering it back. So one of my, my, my favorite directors, of course, other than Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Uh, this is a question um, I put in there because I was curious because I know you worked with him. So I was just curious, like, who else would you want to work with? Who's your favorite? You know, I have been very lucky. I've been very lucky and I've worked with some of my favorites. I worked with Christopher Nolan on The Dark Knight Rises. That's awesome. And yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> She's legit, guys. You don't even know. And so <laughs> I like genuinely. I did The Dark Knight Rises and respect you and fucking hate your guts simultaneously. <laughs> I hate you so much that you have you touched Christopher Nolan? Have you come in physical contact with him? Okay. I'll do you one better. I'll tell you a little story. <laughs> yes. So on that on movies like that, on movies like that, they're really huge, right? So I've worked on the, you know, the Avengers movies. I've worked on the equivalent of that. The big ass movies that it's like so many people attached to making this thing happen. Yeah. 
Um, and that's so like Battleship, I did the uh, Battleship, I did the, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Those are my biggest movies on my resume. And, um, you know, it's a lot. And I, I loved working on Battleship. Like Pete Berg is awesome. And believe it or not, as bad as that movie came in the end, he made that movie so much better than what it was on the page. Like he made it. <laughs> He made it so much better. Trust me. Oh, wow. That guy did a lot of work to try and make that work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but that was not the greatest experience for me because of direct supervisors that I had. And so that was really, it sort of was like, I don't want to do another big movie because even though it sounds great, you know, you're, you're a PA, you're not getting any money really. And, uh, and there's no glory. It's like, what, what is the point of doing it? I've already done the big movie thing. But so I begrudgingly, you're going to hate me even more. I begrudgingly <laughs> took the Dark Knight Rises because I needed like a thousand dollars worth no. of yes, I needed like a thousand dollars worth of repair on my car at the time. Um, so I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I did have a moment of really, am I like begrudgingly taking a Batman movie? Like I'm an asshole. Um, but at the same time, it's just like. <laughs> At the same time, it's just like those movies, the, the more money, just think of it this way, the more money involved, the more high stakes and the more stressed out people get and the more less fun it is. Like it just, people blame you for anything and everything, you know, shit rolls downhill and you're the PA, which means you're at the bottom of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it just sucks to take all of that shit for 14 to 16 hours a day, every single day for however many weeks these movies take. So I wasn't interested in doing it, but I did it. You know, and it was a, it was big crew, big things. I was like, there's two PAs assigned to things that normally would only have one PA. So there was two PAs to walkies, two PAs to paperwork, two PAs to background, which is what I was in charge of. So like me and my friend, we were in charge of tag teaming background. Um, there's two PAs to dealing with cast. There's two PAs to dealing with, um, logistics, like key PAs. Um, so I was helping with background and, you know, just, there's just tons of people. And so you don't really talk to Christopher Nolan. You just like, there's no reason for me to really talk to him. He has an assistant. There's other things that are happening. There's literally mm -hmm. no reason for me to go up to him. So I went through this entire thing. I worked on this movie thinking that this guy, like he's seen me around. He's just like, Oh yeah, that girl with the pink phone. Cause at a time I had like a pink phone, <laughs> like my phone was covered with like a pink <laughs> otter box. So it was, it was bulky as fuck right that's what so, you want to be known for that's uh, cool yeah exactly <laughs> like he just he just knows me as the chick who takes a bunch of pictures of the background because literally i would chart i would ch when you watch that movie just understand i had a chart that had where every single person was standing oh wow and what their names were and what they did yes wow. i had to do that that's crazy yeah, all, all that well. wasn't part of my job it was getting through them the, getting them through hair makeup and wardrobe and then bringing them to set when, when they were ready and then charting where they were when they were on set so that, you know, should anything happen, we know what every, we know how to match it. And so I take pictures and I handwrite a, a map basically. So that was my job in that movie. Um, and then at the rap party, you know, we're all like happy, fun, great. And, you know, there was a moment where I got to go up to Chris and I was like, Hey, so Mr. Nolan, it was really great to meet you as this is really great. I'm such a fan and like, it was really awesome to work with you. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And he said, oh, Bola, it's such a pleasure working with you as well. Thank you so much for all your hard work. He knew your name. I what? didn't say anything after that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're my hero, Bola. You are my hero. Exactly. Awesome. Oh my gosh. So oh. here I am, like, 
I really did not believe that he knew my name. There are too many people on set. Like even with just, you know, no extras, no nothing. There's just so many people on set. That's I awesome. did not expect this man to know my name. Wow. And so when he said that, I froze. I was just like, I think I said like a, yeah, thank you. I, <laughs> I think have I said arrived. something in that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my voice got like insanely high and I just sort of, you know, thank you. And he walked away and his, his wife's assistant came up to me later and she said, Ola, when he said your name, your face. I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't play it cool. I thought I played it cool. I thought I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. I thought I played it cool. I did. You're standing over there looking like Black Hole Sun. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was freaking the fuck out. And I thought my face was like, you know, like professional I'm chill. and everything. Yeah. But apparently, no, all of my, everything I was feeling came through my face. So there you go. <laughs> well, I'm glad, that's amazing. I'm glad that your face, your feelings jumped out of your face all over Christopher Nolan. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yeah, so I've been very lucky to work with him, and he's he, like I said, with Battleship it was hard and and whatever, but the but the Dark Knight Rises was really a moment where I realized you can work on a big movie and it doesn't have to be. That's awesome. Like we were making all sorts of jokes. We're making like manhole jokes on channel one, which is something that does not happen on big (laughs) movies. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, no joking on channel one, right? Only business because there's too much going on. But that movie was so much fucking fun. Do they make you like sign an NDA so you couldn't like give any spoilers out or anything or? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, the background, everybody, anybody who touched that set, like you, you are subject to every and any kind of NDA. Um, in fact, there wasn't a script and there weren't like normally on a set, you have sides, like you get sides yeah. to know what's, what the work for the day is with call sheets on that movie. We didn't have, I think we had very few call sheets, if any, but we definitely didn't have any sides. So like the only people who would get sides are Chris, the DP, um, sound, the sound department, and I, and maybe like, like three, there literally was like 10, 10 pairs of sides, and very specific people would get those sides. Then they would turn them in and it would get destroyed at the end of the night. Wow. And the script, you would have to go into the production office to read it. <laughs> and for our movie, I don't think they did this, but for, I know for the Marvel movies, this is back when like, with, what um, is your Iron life? Man and wow. Thor, the first ones. <laughs> I knew that you'd you'd have to go into a room and you'd read them on red paper because you can't copy red paper. paper. Um, but yeah, there's there was no script around. Um, call sheets were only email. There was a code <laughs> With name. Just you, and yeah. <laughs> that's how you keep those movies secret. And then after you read it, Will Smith came and neuralized your right? ass just to yeah. make make sure she was solid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he did show up to the Hawthorne set where I was working because his wife was it was his wife's show. Oh wow. <laughs> Man. Wait, I yeah, I've worked on a lot of shit, guys. <laughs> like <laughs> Wow. Well, I've um, this has taken so yeah. much time of just like your we're gonna have to do seven podcasts. We're gonna have to have our own Bola <laughs> podcast universe. <laughs> yeah, just just Bola's adventures. Yeah, that's it. So many adventures. So so many. Yeah, we'll um Will would show up, especially in season two. I remember there was one time we were doing, it was Hawthorne, which was a TNT show. And we had an episode where like a baby dies 
So it was like very heavy episode, you know, the background are getting into it to make sure that they give performances (laughs) and like, you know, the, the, the first team, the actors are all in it and Will's visiting and he's like, I'm walking him downstairs. That's awesome. He goes, so what are you shooting today? Like, let me know. And I was like, oh, we're shooting this scene, you know, like the baby dies. And he stopped and he's like, I should probably not go downstairs. She'll kill me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because he knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, cause he knew that if he showed up on set, he would be a distraction. So, um, so he decided not to go down to set <laughs> because that day, because mm-hmm. he, he just, Watch yeah, he was man. like, she'll kill me if I go downstairs. Yeah. He knows, he knows what's up. Um, I like him. He's great. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, didn't actually get, awesome. so I said I was very lucky. Like the other directors that <laughs> nice. I, that I know that I haven't worked with are, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who did Arrival, Sicario, um, mm. and recently, of course, Blade oh, Runner. Yeah, yeah he's movies. really great. I love his choices. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's amazing. Um, David Fincher. I really <laughs> love his work. I was a fangirl over his shit. And then, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Tarsim Singh, um, Guillermo del Toro. Those are, those yes. are my guys. Those are my dudes. <laughs> I was just watching Hellboy 2 today, actually. Oh really? Yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I work for the Dude. Boys and Girls Club, and um, the teens <laughs> don't know shit about movies, and so I'm like, let me show you something real quick. This guy's name is Guillermo nice. del Toro. That's Ron Perlman right there. Mm-hmm. That right there. That's Ray Park. He was in Blade too. He's also Darth Maul. <laughs> Great fight scenes. Yeah. This guy, like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta educate these kids. I gotta save yeah, them they because, terrible. like, they keep watching don't Transformers films, <laughs> and I, in 30 years, I'm not oh, gonna no. put shit. I'm not doing it. They're gonna. <laughs> direct something good for me to watch not taking this get them get them <laughs> tell them save them dude i haven't even seen transformers past number i think i i think i saw number three was that the there one where you he, like there wasn't megan fox there was the angel the the Victoria's secret angel yeah, yeah, girlfriend. yeah you can count said, yourself yeah. lucky count yourself a fortunate person <laughs> well what there's 12 there's 12 of them now right <laughs> just tell, just tell that story of how you haven't seen anything after Transformers nice. Three. That right, right there nice. is an inspiration. Right there, that'll be <laughs> that'll, that'll be enough. <laughs> that'll be that'll do. To answer your question, Justin, there there are five Transformers <laughs> movies. Uh, the sixth one, the sixth one comes out this year. It's the uh, um, Bumblebee spinoff movie. Uh, comes out this year. I think I think I am the only person here that's seen all five. Well, I wish that Why both did you do movies would just buzz off. <laughs> Man, I've only seen about three of them. I've seen about four of them, but it felt like 12. <laughs> that one might have 12 now. There's a lot of those. I, yeah. I just feel like I have to at this point. I don't know why. <laughs> He's like, I, I gotta stick with it. Are you a purist? Are you a yeah, completionist? There we go. Yes. You have to see is. all of them, even if they're probably. Awful. I definitely have not. Dude, even I dropped the ball on. <laughs> I even even I dropped the ball. As much as I love the first Pirates of the Caribbean, like that movie is great. <laughs> that movie, as a standalone, wow. as what it was supposed to be by itself, is really great. And they just kill my dreams every single time they come up with a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Damn, Miss totally. Chess was dope. Everybody hates Damn, Miss Chess. Everybody hates it. I love Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> thought it was great. Oh, yeah, my God. I, I think I'm the only person here, too, that's seen all of those, unfortunately. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You need to be saved. Somebody save him. But Dead Man's Chest was great, and I will fight. I'll fight <laughs> me. But no, like, uh, you were talking about, like, a lot of the things you've worked on and stuff like that. 
I specifically, I, I do want to ask you about the uh, Are We Good Parents and uh, specifically working with uh, Tracy Toms because uh, I kind of I, I kind of love her and everything. Oh, I love that. She'll love that. Actually, legit, like, I was looking at her, um, her stories on Instagram and she, she gave the, like, what the hell happened with the ending, the, uh, uh, the, for Avengers. And like, she's just like, the ending. Oh my God. And I, I actually texted her and I was like, dude, I can't wait to see it. And she's like, so many people want to ask. Anyway, we still talk and I fucking love her. She's great. I love her so much. She really is great. She's great. She's great in the movie. And she's great in person. Like she's everything you want her, who you think she is, who you want her to be. Like she's. How did you, how did you get to know her? Like how did, did you just working in the same circle or how did you get to be friends with her? No, I reached out backing up to last year. I was very much trying to do another short because I'd just done the water Phoenix. And it, actually at this point, it wasn't completely finished yet. Like I was still trying to finish VFX and coloring. Um, and it, yeah, that was my first short. I, it, where I play a mermaid held captive in an aquarium. You should watch it. It's great stuff. <laughs> thank you actually we just found out we got into another there are two more um <laughs> there are two more um uh festivals that i got into with uh with the water phoenix today oh, cool. i got into uh etheria which is smaller it's like that's gonna do a tour and then this one called thermit thermius which i don't know what that is but cool <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah so i I um, had just finished that, which is a huge project, a lot of money, a lot of time. It took it took like three years to finish. And I wanted just something simple and like just simple and, and con- contained to do. So I hooked up with my friend Haley uh, and wrote Are We Gonna Parent? It's so good. And we were looking for so people. Good. My producer and I, my, my thank you, my producer and casting director, we all sat together and we were just kind of brainstorming through names and it was my producer who said Tracy Toms and I, at first I was like oh who is that and I, I just didn't know her name and like I love her like how do I get her because she absolutely is the character she was my number one pick um and so yeah. I reached out to someone who had worked with her before a director who had worked with her before that I knew um and and he liked it and you know just said he gave her a heads up and that he gave me her email and um and then I emailed her the, the the script and she loved it. So that got her on. It's one of those things that like so rarely happens, but it, it happened here. Yeah. That's it so was cool. really great. That's cool. No. Yeah. I, I was originally introduced to her like as an actress in uh, the, the movie version of Rent. And uh, I absolutely love that. And I think I'm the one person ever that does. <laughs> but I do. I absolutely love it. I don't think you're the only person. That's usually the person like. Like people usually like when I'm like, oh, Tracy Toms, and I say Rent. That's when they like go, oh, like they yeah, but like, but Rent the movie, a lot of people didn't like, but like, but she also did the final Broadway version of Rent too. Uh, she was in that, and uh, that was really cool getting to see her, you know, do the movie of it and then play the, uh, you know, do the same thing in in the the musical itself, and that was a really awesome thing. And then just like you know, seeing her in what Death Proof and and uh devil wears prada and things like that like i've just always yeah. loved her and everything she's in and thank you like whenever i found out about this short and that she was in it i was like oh this is gonna be amazing <laughs> and it was it was so good that's why i was late to the the call because i was oh, watching that and i was you. like wow yeah, that's me I, and my wife like, i really right wanted now. Yeah. to sort of you know, i didn't i wasn't interested in telling like the the typical i can't come out to my parents story i felt like 
not only have we heard that story before, heard it way too many times, I feel like we're past that, or at least I hope we're past that. So this movie, um, much like most of the, like me as a filmmaker is trying to do is, is sort of project what I want to see in the world. So this, and this legit was me. Like this came out of my feelings when my sister came in my head. I was like, dude, that's late. Like what the fuck? Like why did it take you so long to be yourself? And so I just thought of myself as like a parent. You know, as a parent, having a child come out late would be devastating for me, if to truth be told. <laughs> like, I, cause I think that I project sort of a more open, open feeling and more, um, inclusive feeling for, for my kids whenever they, when they, whenever they appear, if they ever they appear. So to have that happen would be really heartbreaking. So I just thought, okay, well, let's, let's lean into what that story is. Like a, a parent who, expects it to be a certain way but is not what the quote-unquote traditional way is and it's and the kid seemingly isn't comfortable being themselves the thing that uh like i really identify with that is like like my cousin uh she started dating like a trans male and Mm -hmm. like i had just never been around that situation like it never really like cared about her or anything i just never been presented with that situation yeah and so like at the same time like a lot of what that movie was, was kind of the same inner dialogue I had about that whole situation. Like, am I too supportive, like, in a way that ends up coming across where I am exactly. the problem? Or, you know, it's just that, that that whole aspect of it is, like, I've had that with myself, just, like, thinking about it. Like, I mean, like, am I coming off the right amount of cool about this? Or am I, like, a little too <laughs> cool about this? Or, like, like, it was just funny. Like, I was like, oh, no, I've, like, I've experienced that, like, hands down. And I was like, oh, that was, like, crazy. Like, how realistic all that was like i was like no that's exactly how i think it would be for like a lot of people in our generation with something like that yeah for sure yeah um i totally agree you gotta gotta find that balance you gotta be like between kurt's dad (laughs) and and the 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 white people and get out you gotta you can't be too cool about it but you gotta be you gotta gotta find that line unbelievable analogy thank you for that no, we, we got Kurt's dad from Glee. We got it. <laughs> you guys asked about favorite movies last year and I actually didn't, I didn't really research. The only thing that came out, which I, which might be why it's like my favorite movies, cause it's like Get Out, which feels like, of course, yes. no, whatever, but it really was my favorite last year. Um, that's exactly what I said. Too. Awesome. Like, amazing. and I went in with a cynical. <laughs> yeah. I went in cynically too. I went in like, Oh, whatever. Like, cause I didn't like the trailer. I was like, oh man, like another movie that's just like, you know, black dude ain't a white chick or whatever, like going in the house, like with friends, like her parents or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not into it. It's fine. Whatever. And then I think it yeah, was the I had a Rotten lot of Tomatoes, the same right? Too yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When I watched that trailer, I was like, oh my gosh, here's another one of these. That's exactly what I thought. It was like, it just felt like Oh, good. I felt alone, trailers. Justin. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> no, no, really it, it's true. Just the way, just the way that trailer came across. No, you're totally right. Yeah, so I wasn't... That was a good thing about that trailer, though, is the fact that it kind of did give you that, that slight misdirection for what the movie yeah, was actually about. Like, I think that, I think that helped that part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, it it probably really did. But so yeah. many people like could see they were like, oh, it looks awesome. And I'm like, really? Because it feels cliche and I'm not into it. Like <laughs> I wasn't into it. And then Oscar night, I didn't want to see I didn't want to watch the Oscars for personal reasons because <laughs> I couldn't enjoy them. Um, <laughs> uh, and 
Yeah, the Casey Affleck thing would just like piss me off. So I just <laughs> decided yeah, not to watch right. it. And what <laughs> I did instead was get out, which yeah. was like the best decision ever because <laughs> I fucking loved it. And it was great. And I was yeah. the whole time, li- literally, I was like analyzing everything. And I was just like, is this really that good? Like, is it really going to be that great? And everything that would happen, I was like, oh, no, this shit is good. Oh, no, this shit is great. Oh, my God, this shit is amazing. Yep, everybody's correct. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it sort of it just came out of left field for me. I think it came out of left field for a lot of people. That's why it became such a hit. It's just like, what? A Blumhouse, a tiny Blumhouse movie that. Right made a point it's a genre movie that wins mm-hmm. fucking the best oscar like best screenplay like not genre movies i don't know how many people like i'm a genre filmmaker and i don't know how many people understand how big of a deal it is that genre movies really did the thing this year like they yeah. really did yeah. it in in mm-hmm. like award season shit like that doesn't happen that often so that's pretty cool yeah. for me to see like you know shape of water and and get out to do well that's really impressive well, I was just going to say, I added a new thing. of like the best thing coming out that I think you guys should look out for. Like just mm-hmm. a little teaser for you guys and your listeners is Sorry to Bother You. It's a movie made by Boots Riley. It actually stars yes. Lakeith from Get Out. Oh. And it, I saw it at South By. It's fucking amazing. You've got to see it. Nice. No, I'm I'm really excited about that movie because uh, that guy's also in Atlanta. And I love him in that mm-hmm. show, too. Mm-hmm. He's so good in that. He's like him and Donald Glover, like just completely make that show for me. And <laughs> I, I really am looking forward to that. As soon as I saw him in that, the fact that he was the main character, I got super he's, stoked he's really, really fast. He's solid. He's a really, he's a good actor. Yeah, he really is. And the, and the premise, the way I would describe that movie is if Jordan Peele and Michelle Gondry had a baby, that would be that movie. <laughs> All right. I can get behind that. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say the one bad thing about Get Out is the fact that, like she said, it is a Blumhouse film. <laughs> and so now every shitty horror film that that studio puts out, they get to say from the people that brought you Get Out. Oh, my God. They've already been doing that, dude. They've already been doing yeah. that. There's a movie that, like, I'm pretty sure nobody's interested in seeing. Yes. With truth or dare. Say, yes, that one. Yes. <laughs> nobody's interested in seeing that movie. But they say from the producers of Get Out. I'm like, no, fuck you guys. <laughs> Yeah, they're saying Blumhouse is truth or dare. Yeah, they're doing that now. It's it's weird. Yeah, they, they yeah, they've established themselves now as this like great horror movie studio just because of Get Out and they're just going to milk it and they're almost going to destroy the name of that movie by the end of it. <laughs> they're going to keep just putting out so much bullshit and just keep putting Get Out before it just to get people to watch it and people That's are going to get very mad. They probably will though. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they will. They'll milk it for all it's worth. They mm-hmm. will. I mean, I'm, I would be mad at them as an, as a, no, yeah, it honestly, I mean, they kind of earned it, but at the same time, like, don't spoil it. Like, you know, right. stay, quit while you're ahead kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Heather, what, what were you going to say? No, I was actually just going to try and go into a little bit of, um, of your movie that your, your movie that you made with the, with the show Rebel Without a Crew and just kind of, um, just kind of get a little bit of what was the experience of that and what kind of made you decide to do the type of movie that you did, which is called on the run, which it's really, really good. I was very impressed by this movie. So I'm just curious, like what came, how'd you come up with the idea for it? And what was the experience like of doing that? 
Oh, thank you. And I totally forgot that that's what we were supposed to be talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did too for a long time. For a long time, I was, I was like, like, oh, wait, that's why we're here. <laughs> I I forgot. We're supposed to be talking about Rebel Without a Crew. Um, Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about because you're legit. So it's fine. Okay. So thank you. I'm glad you liked Under On The Run. Um, It was Rebel Without a Crew... <laughs> I describe it as like Robert Rodriguez film school because that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I wish I could get a certificate. Like, I really want him to be like, you know, like Robert Rodriguez, Professor Robert Rodriguez, Rebel Without a Crew. <laughs> You've graduated 2018. Congratulations. Like, I want a fucking certificate. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was. It was great. It was, it was hard, man. It was really hard. And I, for this, because of, you know, it's $7,000 and it's not in the city that you live in. Like I was hesitant for so many reasons, for obvious reasons that I think everybody brings up, you know, like, you know, with inflation, this is the mm-hmm. first thing people bring up is like inflation, you know, it really should be 1200 <laughs> and like $500 is what it really should be. Um, but um, if you've read his book, you know that a lot of the money wasn't really on screen. It was actually like $800, $900 on screen. And then the rest was just processing the film. Wow. We being, yeah. So doing it now, we actually have an advantage because we're, we're not processing film. We're only doing, we're doing it digitally. And so we're just uploading it to our computers at the end of the night and putting it on a hard drive, which is then, then that's it. Then we can cut on creative cloud using premiere pro and just mm-hmm. that's it that's our movie we can do whatever we want with it immediately whereas before you had to wait there was a whole waiting period and you didn't have to do that now so that wow. yeah so that that's one of the reasons why it's still seven thousand dollars or whatever and and um the best part of it for me was not only robert's guidance and his like he was really involved and that was one of the questions i had when i was going into it is like Okay, yeah, sure. Robert's an EP, but like, how involved is he? Um, and he was very involved, super involved. And actually, in episode six, mm-hmm. you can see how involved he was because I was having a shit time. <laughs> I was, I was having a hard time. Are you guys <laughs> caught up? Are you guys caught up on the season? No, no, I'm a little bit behind on it, but yeah, go ahead. Don't. It's okay to spoil it. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm curious. Wait, what? Where are you at, Sterling? I, I've actually only seen the first episode of the show. And you, Justin? Yeah, I've only seen like two episodes. Yeah, are we watched your film. <laughs> I'm. I feel like I need to watch the whole thing before I can give like a, a sound like, oh, this and this and this, because I've only seen, I would say, probably about half of them myself. So, yeah, I. But it is really good. It's just like I was actually just super like interested in being like, I want to see the film that you did. <laughs> so that's what I was like all about. So oh, yeah, that's so funny. So you guys, you guys have already seen this. Yeah. Just so far, like my impressions of the show, it's just really neat to kind of see some of what filmmakers go through mm-hmm. and beh- and some of the behind the scenes stuff. It's just a neat look into the how difficult it can be, the process that goes into it, and then the limited resources and amount of money that you guys have. I mean, it's uh, it just shows it, it does a really good job. At least those first two episodes really did i thought a really good job of showing just how difficult that process mm-hmm. is so it's great yeah i'm enjoying it so far yeah it is really good so far and so you guys actually didn't know each other until the show right like none of the other filmmakers knew each other beforehand right correct nobody nobody knew each other except i knew bk 
I didn't know that she was going to be on the show. I That's a small yeah, world. <laughs> happened with that. Because uh, everybody's like, how do you know someone on the show? And then, pe- of course, people who know me, the joke has always been like, why do you know everybody? And I'm like, I, I've just been working a long time. That's all. Um, I've bounced around to a lot of sets. Uh, so <laughs> with, um, yeah. with BK, what happened is, is like, I was told about the show, you know, told that I should um, apply. And I was like, I really don't want to do a movie for $7,000. <laughs> Cause like, I already did a movie for so much more than that. That was water Phoenix. <laughs> and it was a pain to like finish. So I wasn't, and Robert says it all the time. He's like, nobody wants this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nobody wants, wants to do a movie for $7,000. <laughs> like it's insane. Um, so I wasn't right. really interested. So one of my first moves, like, cause I was, I was like, maybe they just want a female director. So I sent it to like 25 female directors that I know. And it was like, here's this thing. You should apply. Mm-hmm. See if you want to do it. And BK was one of those filmmakers. Um, and I've known her since what, since mm-hmm. True Blood. We worked on True Blood season one together. She uh, was uh, Anna Paquin's stand-in on mm-hmm. that. And I was a PA. I was the only PA. Well, that one was hard. <laughs> it was hard to do by yourself. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Vampires? It's easy. <laughs> right? Like, no. I can um, imagine. <laughs> so that's how I knew her. And, and she, oh, she got picked. No problem. And yeah. <laughs> it was great to see her on set. Um, but other than that, I didn't know the other guy, the other people there, they're awesome. And, and I really, there were the, they, to me at the end of this were the most thing worth it out of anything was them just meeting them because you find that like meeting other filmmakers is really the more rewarding thing. Mm, yeah. Cause you guys bounce off each other. There's an energy that happens. And, um, I don't know. I just, they, they, I fucking love those guys to be overly sentimental. <laughs> I, I love those guys. Yeah. And we actually, we talked with um, Alejandro a few weeks ago about um, his movie on the show as well. And um, before we had our um, podcast session, we were just, you know, talking and um, I was like, Oh, I know Bola. And he's like, no way. And it was, he, he had all good things to say about mm, you. So he's cool. Alejandro is a fucking hustler. And he has a better folk poker face than I do. <laughs> he has a much better poker face than I do because I am on the show and you'll see it as you start to watch it. I'm just like fucking over it. <laughs> like at a certain point, I just like, I don't care about this. I don't care about you guys. I just want to go. Like I'm not, I'm kind of done with this. It's just like annoying. And, and this is not the way you make movies. Like this is not the way you make movies. Mm. Um, but I, I learned a lot. Um, you know, I learned how to shoot a lot. The the movie on the run, it was an ambitious thing to do with under these conditions. And and it was ambitious, period. But like if I had done it with seven thousand dollars in Austin by myself and was able to shoot it the way that I thought I was gonna be able to shoot it, that I could still pull it off because a lot of it was made with the with me in mind of just going with my DP and just shooting stuff. Hmm. Uh the problem is with the show is that you're doing things with a studio with studio rules. So like the crew, then the, their crew, the dot crew can only shoot for 12 hours when they told us we could shoot for 12 hours. But w- just because they can shoot for 12 hours does not mean that we can shoot for 12 hours because mm. we're shooting within their, within their structure. Right. So me driving counted as my shoot time. So I ended up having like, yeah, exactly. Wow. Even with those restrictions, you did like this. I, I just seriously like, think this film was so well done like it was so good thank you yeah thank you 
I, I, I wore turn. Oh, yeah. I, I really loved it. Like, especially like you, especially as, as the main character, I, I really thought you were really, really good. Like, I thought to me, like watching it, like it, I think that helped a lot because like with some of that stuff, like you knew what you wanted from this and you were able to like really bring that to the screen. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And there was, um, there was some really good tension in that. I like the whole chase scenario. It was just very well done, but I've got a kind of a question piggybacking off of what everyone else said, because when we spoke to Alejandro, he was kind of like, he wanted to challenge himself and do something out of his comfort zone. That was something that he said he had never done a film like that. So it was something he wanted to try a different genre and do something to challenge himself. Do you feel that you kind of have the same strategy or do you feel like this was something more of your wheelhouse or were you trying to challenge yourself in some way? Just your strategy with this film idea going in. That's a great question. And the answer is yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the yes is I knew that it, you know, it's a $7,000 $7, movie, which typically, you know, those can do well. And Typically, when people have that kind of budget, they do something that's mumblecore. Mumblecore meaning it's a, me making a movie about me and my friends. Me and my friends making a movie about me and my friends. So, you know, you keep it to like everybody's houses and you do stuff like that. Like it's like tiny furniture, Lena Dunham kind of movie. And I very much like with my first short. And so my first short is a mermaid in an aquarium. Like, <laughs> who in the right mind would think yeah, to do sure. that when they right. don't have money <laughs> right that's true <laughs> right so that was before rebel without a crew so i was already reaching like i was just letting my mind go where it wanted to all my ideas are big unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> because you know rebel without a crew tapped me because it was such an they were just like how did you do that mm -hmm. <laughs> with underwater work and everything they're just like how and it looks so beautiful too that's the thing i'm like what is this like it's thank you beautiful it's very good yeah. <laughs> thank you and it's just it's just one of those things is like i i am a director who likes big things epic things and a lot of times when you're starting out the unfortunate thing is you don't have the money to do those big things right but i didn't let that stop me from my first short so now that i'm trying to do my first feature like why would i go okay i need to do i need to do something more realistic i need to do five people in a house or two houses or something like that hmm. and it's just not in my nature to do those kind of films like honestly are we good parents is against my nature like three people in a house <laughs> in two rooms like what no mm -hmm. like i don't feel like that's interesting and i found something about it that would be interesting to me which is why i think it makes it good is because it very much is per it's a personal story that i put out there and with on the run so no, it's, it's not something that's out of my wheelhouse. It's exactly in my wheelhouse. The problem is what's out of my wheelhouse is money. <laughs> it's the funds to make it, make it work. Right. So, gotcha. so I would love to do that movie. I mean, there's, there's, I had to omit a lot of things to make that work within the constraints of the show. So like, there's a whole first, like the first 10 minutes is completely different. Um, or 10 pages anyway, like the script, the 10 pages are, are different from what's actually there. It still communicates the same idea, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I had in there that I was, I imagine like me and my DP just going out to a small town and getting all these, these cool shots. Um, but I really, I really wanted to establish myself early as a, you know, sci-fi 
filmmaker because I know for women especially, it's hard to convince people that that's what you can do if you've never done that. Like the first thing people will do is is find a way to discredit you or say you don't have the experience to do it. Like, oh, you've never done action, you've never done, done stunts, you've never done, you know, genre, therefore you are not a genre action, action stunts filmmaker. When that's really not the case, like men often have, you know, they can do the small indie and then all of a sudden they're doing Jurassic World. <laughs> Literally. Right. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for women, you know, it, it's really not exactly. But for women, it's, it's, you have to have already done it for them to see it, unfortunately. So that's why I stuck to my guns on doing sci-fi, you know, with my first short. And then now with my first, you know, bigger, bigger feature, like it's, it's short enough where like, it's almost a long short. I don't really, I call it a mini feature, really. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. <laughs> um, a pilot. It could even be a pilot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that answers that. your question, Justin. Does that answer that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. No, it really does. I was just interested in that process because he kind of went that direction. But just watching this and, you, you know, not to compare the films, but just watching yours, it just seemed like the, the, the shots seemed more comfortable, if that makes sense. It just seemed like you had a better uh, an understanding or at least a more comfortable understanding of what you were doing. I, I love some of the cuts and the edits in this. Like I could just tell it just seemed like you were comfortable. And even just the the script, the lines, the 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 at which the actors all did well, you did too. But just it, it just everything just seemed a little more polished. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it just um it felt like you were comfortable. So I was like, I don't, it, it just didn't feel like something foreign to you. So that's why I asked the question. If that makes well, thank sense. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That absolutely is what it is. Like, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Thank you. I, it's, it's, it's so like, it really is sort of like where I live and how I think as far as filmmaking goes. And I think that's why it feels like, that's why it feels polished. I think it's a good word for it. And what I'm jealous of when it comes to both Josh and Alejandro, like all of their films, because I was the only one who kind of went this whole, like, it's supposed to be a big blockbuster movie. Like, this is supposed to be something closer to like Arrival or whatever, which is insane (laughs) to do on a $7,000 budget on a TV show. (laughs) It is insane. Um, So I think I had the hardest time because of that, because I was sort of reaching for what I would like to do as a higher director or whatever. And they were very much reaching for things that, um, I love what Alejandro and what Josh, like, I love what all the filmmakers in, in Scarlet and BK, what they did, because it's so much more, um, connected. And, and I do a lot of visual storytelling. Like, it's a lot of visuals and they do a lot of, like, like actual character driven makes big block, like big blockbuster movies work, like Arrival and like Shape of Water. Like, there's an actual story there. Um, so I think that's what Alejandro's does really well. I mean, he taps into the Edgar Wright quick cuts, quick mm-hmm. transition. You know, it can be messy and it doesn't matter sort of situation because you're not invested in it being clean. You're invested in the story and the raw, the raw feelings of it. And that's what I think most of the films have. And it's really great. And, that, and, and, and I really love that that's what they did with it. Um, and I, you know, I was like, I was talking to Josh on his podcast and, you know, the, the question came up of like, what would you change 
you know, if he knew what was going on, like with this, this, the, the show and everything. And I was like, you know, what I would change is the script because <laughs> this script cannot be done with, you know, six, five, six hours of my day dedicated to the show rather <laughs> than to the movie. The movie really did need all five days of prep. It really did need all 12 hours, if not more, mm. every single 14 day of the shootings, the shooting. Yeah. Day. It needed everything. And so I did the best I can. And I'm glad you guys can see that. Um, but it's sort of the reason why I sort of have half a movie is because I had half the day to shoot it. <laughs> well, it didn't feel like it at all. But the story is still there. And I sort of talk about that. It's like, thank you. No, I was just saying it's one of the things to talk about is like when to keep your movie, how to keep your movie on schedule. That's one of the like, like they do these great digital content mo- like videos with us talking about tips on low budget filmmaking and and yeah so one of mine is about you know keeping your movie yeah, on I actually schedule. saw that yeah and i was watching it like rewatching it now having gone through all this shit like and, and it didn't change like because we were supposed to do it earlier in the schedule and we ended up doing it like when we were done so i was like i'm re- more relaxed in that move that video because i'm like we're done with the movies and the things i say is like you chop off your 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 shooting schedule like you chop off all the shooting the, the shots that you want your shot list and you just stick with the things that you need to tell the story. And that's very much what I did. So it doesn't feel like anything's missing from the story because I stuck with whatever I needed to do to tell the story. And what's missing is the detail to me. But we do get the broad, at least the broad strokes, I feel like, in the movie, which is, you know, how I tackled it instead. Like, how do we get all the points and, you know, we might lose this little bit or this little bit, but at least the story is still there. So that's what we have. Yeah. And it's the thing is, it's a very engaging story, even if it doesn't have like, you know, a million words of dialogue or whatever it is like, it's just a very engaging story with the visuals and just just watching, you know, like your character and just with the characters, you could see what they're feeling. And I think it was a really the job was done really well. So I think, you know, you're selling yourself short a little bit for that because it it just really the whole thing was a huge story that you really could just like, you felt every bit of it. I thought it was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, <laughs> no joke. Like, I think, I think it, it, um, it often takes somebody else to talk about your stuff before you can feel great about it. Cause your artists are like, I'm sure you know this, Heather, like from high school when we were doing whatever, like you just are super insecure <laughs> about your stuff. And then you don't, you don't see it in, in a clear light. You only see it in what you wanted it to be and not what it is and not realizing that what it is, is, is Mm -hmm. usually just as good, if not better than what you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. Um, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. But yeah. And I mean, I can definitely understand that, um, being a wrestler because like a lot of the things that even a lot of the things that you were talking about being on set and stuff like that and, um, being happy that Nolan remembered your name and stuff like that. It just takes me back to some of those times where I got to be behind the scenes at WWE or I got to be like, do extra talent work with them and stuff. And it's just funny to hear you say those things because even when I go out <laughs> there and wrestle, it's the same kind of way. You're, you're constantly under scrutiny. You're constantly being critiqued. You're constantly being compared to other performers and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's always this sense of, okay, it, it, you never think you're good enough. It's like you, you do something 
and everybody's like, and somebody will tell you, oh, you that was really good. That was entertaining. And you're like, yeah, but was I really that good or was I really that entertaining? And sometimes it does take the right people or a certain person or just that mo- the mo- those multiple affirmations to really build your confidence. So, I mean, I totally know where that where you're coming from with that. It's it just sounds a lot like mm-hmm. what I go through. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it really isn't like an artist curse, right? It's like <laughs> the artist is like doing what they can and they're like, no, this is shit. This is shit. I don't like it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those yeah, things. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, one thing I did want to ask you about though, like, cause I, you know, I did some IMDb oh. stalking on you and whatnot. <laughs> and okay. So I saw on your IMDb, it, it mentioned you with a soundtrack credit for crazy ex-girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> now, oh, what, man. what, what part of that? Like it's, it has you as a writer for the song and I'm, I'm not going to go into the name of the song yet, but I just want to know like, <laughs> is that because it makes you much, nervous? How much? Wait, hold on. Sterling, no, no, does no. it make you nervous? Can you, you want to say it? Like, are you nervous to say it? <laughs> are you like really nervous no, no, to no. say it? <laughs> no, cause I just want to get, I wanted to get to like, what, it, it it has you credited as a writer on the song. Like, so did you write that? I didn't write the whole thing. I wrote a very, very small part. And that was um, Rachel being very generous and like giving me credit for a couple of lines that I'd said that she was like, that is going in the song. Um, so. <laughs> well, one of the reasons why I ask is I had actually seen that on Facebook before. Yeah. I've never, I, I've never watched the show, but I had seen that video clip. I think that's the most shared video. <laughs> that's the most shared video. So what, what we are talking about is the song Heavy Boobs on <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> and like I said, like I, I had seen that on Facebook. And like I said, I was looking through and I saw that and I was like, wait, what is it? Like, I just kept like thinking about it. I was like, oh, shit. No, I've seen that. <laughs> like, it was just really like, like this kind of surreal moment. I was like, I know exactly what that is. And I've never seen that show. Oh, yeah. You should watch the show. It's pretty funny. No, it's funny. because like, I've, that's, I'm pretty sure that was the most shared music video from that show is that song for obvious reasons. Like, oh, boobs bouncing. I want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, totally. Well, I, I have a I have a limit of how many CW shows I can watch <laughs> at a time. So that's why I can't get into that yet. Because I, I I do watch. Uh, I like I, I watched all of Smallville. Sadly, Aww, uh, you I, were there to the end. I, I watched. I was, and I hated every bit of the yeah, last like four years that's of that. Fair. And then I've watched. I've watched most of Supernatural. I haven't watched. I haven't watched all the last two seasons, but I will catch up on it because I have watched eleven other seasons of that oh, show. God. So I might as well. Keep you it are up. a completionist. Um, if you haven't like stake your yeah, claim totally in that, is. you really yeah, absolutely are. Yeah, yeah, super completionist. The the thing is about mm-hmm. Supernatural though is Supernatural does go downhill in season six, but I thought it actually kind of started getting back in its groove in season ten. So it was only five years of bullshit I had to deal with. <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny. I'm 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 also watching uh, what I Zombie. I do love I Zombie. Great. Um, I'm I I'm I'm a little behind on it, but it's uh, I do watch Riverdale. Ooh. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, so I, I, I just have a limit on how much CW bullshit I can, I can do all at one time. <laughs> That's fair. 
But at least he knows the song, so there you go. <laughs> It'll be a few years, and then I'll probably end up watching it. But I just can't do it right now. No, that's fair. I, I, <laughs> it is really, it's a good show. Um, I think it turns all those ideas of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on its head and gives it a real face. Gives it something that isn't just like this, you know, thing you can blame whatever on and shows you what it's like to be on the other side of what considered is considered the quote unquote crazy ex-girlfriend. And it does these deep dives, you know, it does these deep dives into uh, mental, mental illness and very real things. And, and that's what Rachel's about. And that's all she's about. And, and I think it's one of the things that people really love about her because she's so honest about it um, in a way that a lot of people are afraid mm-hmm. to be or, or haven't had the, t- like haven't swung around to being and so, yeah, Heavy Boobs was really fucking awesome. And I was very honored that she was <laughs> like, you you helped write this. You're getting your credit. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> like, I really appreciate Wait, it. I need to know what part of it you wrote. Like, what line or part of a line <laughs> okay, was Okay, here's the thing. You. It's like, it's so, it's the only reason, like, I just had experience with Heavy Boobs. <laughs> yeah 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 that's true you've always had that problem yeah i've always literally always had that problem like i was in i was in volleyball both middle school and high school and one of the things that i would do is like i would double i would double like sports bra myself because or i would like even use like yeah i would double sports bra or i would use one of those like bandage thingies and just like take one sports bra and then i would bandage my boobs down so that when I would go up for the fucking kill, I wouldn't have to deal with my boobs, like, going, blah, 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 like, all over the place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that had yeah, to be uncomfortable. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Right. That's the thing. It was uncomfortable. But, like, anything I could do to sort of, like, strap my boobs down, I would try to do. And so when we were just sitting in the, like, I would travel to set with her and I would travel back home with her. I was, I was her assistant on that show for two seasons. And we were talking and I was like, yeah, like, I think she'd mentioned that she was going to do a song about boobs. And I was like, oh, yeah, like heavy boobs. I can't run till far. <laughs> I had experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. And I was like, heavy boobs, heavy boobs. I can't run real far. And so that was <laughs> nice. Okay. That's all you. That's me. I got there's it. a little mm-hmm. bit, there's a little bit of other stuff in me, but that was the main one that it was like, it was part of the chorus. Yeah, it's the so, catchy part of it. She yeah. took that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't run real far. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't run real far. So yeah. The the sad thing about it is like when you were describing the like the situation that you'd have to do, it actually just reminded me of the movie uh, Now and Then with Christina Ricci's character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. That's what I thought of too. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why that's what popped into my head with that. I think it's because my mom made me watch that movie like ninety-seven thousand times as a kid because she loved that it. movie. That was a great movie. Yeah, it, but it, it's a little awkward when you're like a nine-year-old boy, though. <laughs> like you can't that's really true. relate to that movie. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like the one relatable character I had would have been Devin Sawa's character, and I never like <laughs> swam naked with my brothers in a creek, so. I no longer had any point of reference with it. There you go. <laughs> All that's right. The one, that's that's the one reference. I'm glad it made you think of that movie. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, it did. I thought of well, that was too. Was there anything yeah. else that stuck out at you on my IMDb? Um, other, like uh, on your IMDb? 
Yeah. I, I did. Uh, there was the whole True Blood thing, and I was going to comment later that, like, I love how you just kind of nonchalantly dropped that you, were, you know, worked on True Blood, and then you just kind of, like, <laughs> blew right past it. This, okay, this is the thing that happens when you're working <laughs> in the industry for a long time. Because what also happens is, like, on working on movies, when you say, oh, did you work on that show? Sometimes you might not be talking about a show, like literal show. You might be talking about a movie. And that's just, it's sort of like, it really is like circus people. You're circus people going from circus to circus. And you mm-hmm. just connect with people. Like, literally, I was looking at Avengers Infinity War. And I was going through the credits. and was like, oh, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. Because there are people I know. Like, I know the first AD. I know the second AD on, on Avengers. I know mm-hmm. the costumer from Avengers. I know... Some of the stunt coordinate stunt people on coordinate. I know um, Black Widow's stunt stunt double. Her name is That's Heidi awesome. Moneymaker. <laughs> Literally, her name is nice. Heidi Moneymaker. It's yeah, it's funny, and 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 she works a lot because she's fucking awesome. So um, you just know everybody. Hmm. And so things you will say, like literally I had to recut. Um, I don't know. Heather might remember when I was crowdfunding for the, the first time around for Water Phoenix. I, you do a yeah. video for, for crowdfunding and you sort of like plead your case. And I was like, you know, I worked on this and I worked on this to try and give people like comfort on that. I could deliver what I was talking about. I worked on, you know, Dark Knight Rises and I, I threw it out that made it sound so nonchalant. We had to recut it because I was like, it's only because that's the way you talk about it to people in the business. You can't be like, oh my God, I mm-hmm. worked on Batman. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're like, cool, I worked on the Avengers. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we did some gross shit on that thing. Like the first time a vampire died and like blood <laughs> yeah. and guts go everywhere. Perks of the job. <laughs> we just like sprayed Anna Paquin <laughs> and we sprayed her stun double too. Like we sprayed everybody full of blood. Like fake blood, but like blood. It was great. <laughs> that should be on a resume. Like, yeah, I squirted Anna Bagwin with blood, so I'm cool. Yeah. Man, that just sounds so awesome. <laughs> like, you have such awesome stories. Yeah, you really like, do. Really, I could just listen to you all day, like, Aww. talk about your experiences behind set. That's really, really cool. Really cool. Thank you. It's, it's been a long road. I can kind of relate with you and everything because I also worked on a Peter Berg movie back in the oh, day. Oh, which one? Uh, circa 2004. Uh, Friday Night Lights. I worked on Friday Night Lights, but not the movie. I worked on the show. What? Oh, I'm jealous oh, now. Okay. That's my show. I, I, I actually I got into the show late, but um, no, the movie the movie is about my home, uh, like my area of Texas. You're from Odessa? Uh, mine and Justin's. Well, we're from Midland. Oh, right. And so right next to Odessa. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. my God. So, so yeah, they filmed they filmed that movie my senior year of high school, <gasps> and they filmed it in Odessa. <laughs> and so, like a lot of the football games and stuff like that, like you know, I was I was in the band, I was in the drum line. So like we were there at those football games when they were filming, and then there was a couple of nights later we were there as like extras for the crowd and stuff. Yes! And uh, <laughs> uh, we actually got to meet uh, Peter Berg once because me and a couple of other guys we talked them into letting us like go like shirtless and get go mojo like painted on us and uh so like but we had we had seven people not six so what we did for me since i am bald and i was i was even bald in high school uh we made me an exclamation point that started on the top of my head and then went down but like we the, like the makeup crew actually is the one that put that on us like the makeup crew is the one that did it and That's everything awesome I, i'm in love with this sterling i'm in love with this story i'm in love 
they cut all of that from the movie. Like you don't see that in the movie. You can see me once in the background on the in the in the drumline uh, for Lee on on the in the movie. But no, like they did cut all the Go Mojo people out. That's a bummer. Like I was, I was really kind of excited when that movie was coming out because I was like, no, I was in it. I'm going to be in this movie. <laughs> fuck yeah! And so I went to go see it opening weekend, and I was in Lubbock at the time, and it was sold out. So I was like, well, and then I ended up watching Shaun of the Dead instead. <laughs> and that movie changed that that movie changed my life. And then I did I never went back and saw Friday Night Lights until about three or four <laughs> years ago. I then went back and watched it then. And all I did was fast forward through all the stuff. To find your scene. Until it got to the football games. <laughs> yeah, just to, to the football games. I, like, I might be in this. And then I never was, and I was sad. Oh, uh, it happens all the time, dude. Trust me. It's one of the annoying things. <laughs> but I was like, no, I was like an extra that got to go through makeup and all that stuff. And like I said, we got to meet Peter Berg for like 30 seconds, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but it was like, it was just, it was just a really cool thing though. Just kind of seeing it all happen, especially like seeing what they do to like make crowds in that. Cause all they did is they had like a bunch of people that like filled up like the first six rows. Yeah. And then they just had like dummies well, everywhere yeah. else. And so they just like, Use that and they fill it all in, I guess, digitally, like looking back, like they just fill it mm-hmm. in with everything else. But like just for like the scenes, that's how they would do it. Yeah, you what we would do when we would. Yeah. So we use dummies for a lot of it. But then when we were doing the show, one of the oh, one of the things we would, we would do is we would tile. We would we would put people in um, certain parts of the stadium and then we would photograph them there and then pick them up and move them into a different part of like move them sideways on the other side of like when the last person ended and when the next person began we would put them there and photograph them again so that way with the Mm -hmm. vfx team needed to pull from footage from images they could use that image to fake the fake that there was a much bigger crowd than there really was Hmm. yeah Cool. Like, and I, I will say something about the show that I had a real big problem with. <laughs> Go for it. Is the fact that right, the show is five seasons long and it takes place in Texas, and they don't fucking mention Whataburger until the fourth fucking season. <laughs> like, that's unacceptable. Yeah, that is true. I love that show like, though, but you're right. Yeah, I could uh-huh. not handle that. Like, I was like, all right, that that proves to me. That, like they they finally start mentioning it like they had the Whataburger classic game and then I think at, at the beginning of season five I think uh, they actually go to a Whataburger or something like that and like that's it like that's all they mention it I'm like bullshit there's not a single fucking small town in Texas <laughs> that they're not eating at Whataburger right now. yeah <laughs> that that is one tell tell sign that it's like these aren't like genuine Texans that are writing this show like <laughs> <laughs> right. The other weird, the other weird thing about it for me was like they had you know when they had the weird serial killer part going on and spoilers for people that haven't seen the show, <laughs> but then they mentioned they're like oh we're gonna bring a detective in from Midland. I was like who the fuck is pulling a detective from Midland? <laughs> My dad was a detective in Midland. Like I know what detectives in Midland are like. No, no one's fucking pulling a detective from Midland to come solve a crime. That is fucking hilarious. <laughs> but I love that that's the way it's like, they're supposed to, it's supposed to sound like there's this bigger town that has more impressive people that can do this. And in Midland is it. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, man, that, that place must be a shithole <laughs> if Midland is considered step up. 
Sorry to anybody in Midland right now that might be listening to this. We later, love you and appreciate your views. But there's a reason but, yeah. why I fucking left. <laughs> yeah, way to not alienate the audience. Way to not alienate the hey, audience. Though. I know, right? Everybody's turned hey, it but off. But like anybody that knows me, they. I left. I left. I left Midland for a reason. I didn't get along with Midland. I know plenty of people that still live there. They're fine people, and I'm throwing shade at Jason right now. Jason still but, lives there. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Midland's fine. Long, if you want to live there, that's yeah. But if, if you live in Midland, that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you live there. I am jealous that you have Whataburger <laughs> being up in Chicago now. I don't have that. But that's pretty much oh, the dude, only thing I, I fucking miss about that state. Finish watching so. Rebel. I mean. I actually know now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't seen it that much, but like Scarlet at the end of her shoot days, like she would always come home with Whataburger, like always. <laughs> yep. That sounds right. And that's mm-hmm. legit. I get that because before, right before I left Texas to go up here, I was eating Whataburger about four that's or five fair. times a week. <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> that sounds about right for what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I am taking a trip down there unfortunately like that i'm going there but like it's for a friend's wedding and i'm i'm gonna be there for about six days and i'm probably gonna have whatever <laughs> i mean I'm you're there excited. so you might as well like golf it all up right that's the thing totally yeah yeah i've got to stock up it's yeah. been a few years since right. i've had it wait do you guys have any more rebel questions because i feel bad i feel like we've talked about a bunch of random stuff and not enough about this. This is how we want it to go. It's so <laughs> okay, it's so good. great. Like so okay, many good. things. It's totally fine. <laughs> I'm excited to see more of the show though. Um, but yeah, it's I I feel like it's um it, I, I just imagine that it would be hard to be like, oh, I'm filming a movie while I'm being filmed for a show. Like I just imagine that must have been like a little bit stressful. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to see more about like what that looks like on the show that aspect of it so oh it's so interesting i mean the thing is is like what was hard is doing it like because i've i've had enough experience on making movies and tv shows so i would expected a certain sort of understanding of how that goes and that was not it when it came to this show Mm -hmm. but it challenged me it challenged me and taught me how to address you know, when I'm working on a set that isn't necessarily mine and, and doesn't necessarily weren't run on the sort of expectations that I have or that I've grown up in, which is going to happen, you know, it, it's like it's going to happen at some point, how to handle that, because that's what happened here. And like, that's what it taught me is, is sort of leaning into, you know, maybe maybe making things a little less serious, a little less um, needing to be perfect, which I think does plague women and especially women of color a lot more than other people is because you're going to be scrutinized on every single moment, every single beat of a movie when you're done with it and not in a way that Mm -hmm. is favorable to you is like, not in a way that's like, Oh, what if we gave her more money or, Oh, what if we gave her more time? Maybe she would do something better. That doesn't really happen when it comes to women of color or women period. So I was Mm. You know, I was operating on like a, I needed to be a certain way and do a certain thing. So once I just sort of like let that go and just let it be like, it's film school. Like once I just thought of it as film Mm -hmm. school, it was easier to sort of deal with (laughs) because otherwise the whole losing three hours a day, three and a half hours a day, just by traveling was driving me crazy. Like my, my 12 hour quote unquote, 12 hour days became 
six hour days so quickly because a lot of my locations are an hour and a half away from the house that they had us at. Oh, wow. You know, Josh, Josh's location was like five minutes away from the house and, and he just wants to, mm, he okay. just wants to make him his friend, which is what he did. And he had so much fun doing it. Like he's, he's just having fun making a movie. I don't care if it's shit and if it comes off whatever, like he just wants to just have fun. And that's a great attitude to have. I think that's going to be the attitude that most people who are watching it will have. Because yeah. the stakes are not as high. You're just making something. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what Robert mm-hmm. wants to say. That what, that's what the, that's what Elray wants to say is like, it doesn't fucking matter if it's good, if it's great or whatever. Like, just go out there and make some stuff and, and just have fun doing it. And that's why you take out the money out mm-hmm. of it is because, like I said, you know, I was not looking forward to doing another big ass movie because when you do a big ass movie, the stakes are too high. People are so serious. <laughs> You know, your head can come off. You, your head will be cut off of the guillotine because you didn't get so and so their breakfast on time. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but something like this, it's more about the filmmaking. It's more about the camaraderie between you and the actors and, and whatever little crew you have because you can't afford it. And it's just about the fun of making something. And at the end of the day going, you know what? I made that. Whether or not it's good, whether or not it's great, who fucking cares? You made it. That's awesome. Can you just tell everyone listening a little bit about what um, On the Run is about? On the Run is about a small-time widow who is being chased by intergalactic bounty hunters. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's literally like the run that I, I that's the logline that I went with when I was like trying to come up with the script. I was just like, what is just going to catch people? And, and, and it kind of started with sort of like Under the Skin. Have you guys seen Under the Skin? I have not, no. It sounds familiar, but no, I haven't seen it. I know of that movie, Under the Skin, but I have not seen it, unfortunately. You guys should totally check it out. It, it is a weird movie, and that's kind of the one of the reasons I like it. It's a weird, like, feels like a Scottish movie. It stars Scarlett Johansson as an alien who's just, like, grabbing men from the street. That's why I've heard of it. Okay. It's a ScarJo movie. <laughs> She plays an alien in that movie. And that's kind of where this sort of the seed started is like, what if an alien looked exactly like us and we had no idea that they weren't from here? And the seed of what if she, what if she was actually in sort of a intergalactic witness protection situation where she was trying to get away from her home planet and people found her. They found her. And what would that look like? And so that's where the inception of this movie came from. And, you know, the backstory is actually really interesting. I wish we got this. Is, so it's, this, it's not even much more, it's not much more dialogue. It's more, it's more visual story that I would love to dig into. And it's that, that she, her husband was a prominent person on their planet. You know, one of two families, almost like a Romeo and Juliet story where one of two families that are powerful on their planet and the other family did what they need to do to take him out of the equation because he was next in line and she was married to him and they did it in a way that made it seem like she's the one who did it. So everybody thinks that she's the one who killed her husband. So she flees and goes to earth. And this is where it, this is where it picks off is this widow who's at the same time grieving her husband's death and also trying to grapple with, should I keep running or should I go home and fight? And that's the central story of On the Run is is a widow who's dealing with being framed for her husband's death and trying to figure out if she should go back and fight for her husband's legacy or run because it's safe. 
Mm. The closing, um, the closing, you know, monologue of that, of that movie was awesome. It was such a great way to sum it up and just drive it home. I really enjoyed it. That was great. Thank you. I'm so glad you like see it sounds like I I, yeah. I just like I said, I really like it's it's hard, especially now seeing it go through like what it needed to go through in order to get made with the show and everything. And and sometimes I don't know what I've got at the end. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know not everything is gonna come through. That not everything wasn't supposed to come through. What I just told you is so much backstory, and it's just what right. me and Nate, Nate Myers was my co-writer, and that's kind of the backstory that we had to sort of fuel the re- like the story. Mm-hmm. So none of that is like necessarily supposed to come through so clearly, but it was supposed to be clearer than what it, I think it ended up being. So I don't even know what you guys see when you watch it. <laughs> No, it was pretty, like, it was solid, yeah. No, I, c- I can say that I got that. Like, at least with a little bit of dialogue at the end, uh, whenever, you know, sh- she is face like facing off with the bounty hunters at the end, uh, that little standoff scene, uh, I think the, the information and the dialogue you gave during that part actually, like, actually kind of portrays that well, because it comes across like, you know, his brother was the one that died, and, you know, she was saying that she wasn't the one that did it, and it was this other family, and then but she didn't know who's working for him or how high up it goes. And then the whole betrayal thing, like, no, like I I actually feel like a lot of that does come across Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, it does. Definitely feel the same way. Um, And and I loved how it it almost was in a way it it, it felt like a different, I loved how it felt like a different movie at first. Like I'm on this journey with this woman and she's, you know, she's she's working hard, she's repairing cars, and then she's going and she's sitting in with other women who had lost their husbands and stuff like that. So I'm really getting um I'm really getting a feel for who this woman is. And then I just love how about like twenty minutes in and then it's like BAM, there's these alien there um these intergalactic bounty hunters and like I like how that aspect of the story kind of sneaks up on you i like how you established this life that she was her pretend life and then bam we get what the story actually is and Mm -hmm. then it gets pretty intense going towards the end so i like how you set that up i thought that was very well done yeah Thank you. That was totally it. Like, <laughs> it was like, I want the people to connect to her. You know, like, it's very easy as a genre filmmaker to be like, but look at all this cool stuff. And then that's it. Right. That's how you get the Transformer number 12, even though Sterling <laughs> likes it. It's fine. So, <laughs> so you get, you oh, man. Get, you get just like just the visuals and then that's it. But like, I wanted people to connect to who this person was. And sort of see her like purposely not connect with the people that are in her life, you know, sort of keep them at a very arm's length distance. And we didn't understand why we don't understand why until that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, you know, that's that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to portray is sort of like and that was the theme. The theme was isolation, you know, isolation mm-hmm. and redemption. Because at the end of the day, she was the one who exiled herself. She was never exiled, but she exiled herself. And she's doing on on planet Earth. And she's forced to come out of that exile and do something about it. Yeah, that and no, that I, definitely I, comes across for sure. That comes across. Go ahead, Sterling. My bad. <laughs> no, that's literally what I was going to say. So I mean, fuck it, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I'm glad that comes across. It's it's hard because you you've lived with it, and I'm sure all the you know the filmmakers can speak to this pretty much. Is like you you live with it and you have it on script and you have it in your head. And, and there's the, the saying is that like, there's always this, the, the movie that you write, the movie that you shoot and the movie that you edit. And mm. it's not always going to be the same. It really isn't. Like I remember listening to how American beauty got made and like how you shoot it, how you edit, like how everything, and it comes out a different mm-hmm. movie and it comes out a much better, much stronger movie going through yeah. that process. You know, of course, we can point to so many movies where it doesn't like it goes through that process and either doesn't come out well or doesn't come out like it comes out completely different thing because that's what happens. That's the process. And sometimes, you know, you yeah. just don't know what you came out with because you know what you started with. Only you know what you started. That's the weird thing. It's like nobody knows what was in my head when I was doing this, mm. you know, and yeah. um, they're only going to see what the end product is. That's the scary part about it. Mm. It's like you don't all you want to do is scream. You don't understand. This is what it's really supposed to be. Like, <laughs> but you can't scream that. Um, <laughs> what you have to be okay with is that people are going to watch what you made and, and they're going to take from it what they want to take from it. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I like that take on it because I know from firsthand experience that certain, like, uh, I don't want to say like small film, but some, indie film like directors that if you don't like their movie they get really mad at you (laughs) yeah that we've we've experienced this issue yes it's true that does happen it's the harder part of the process and i think it's the process people forget is like once you let your baby your quote-unquote baby go out into the world you don't know how the world is going to take your baby you and you can't dictate it right like you can try and mm-hmm. talk to the people in your circle or in your people's circle circle and sort of explain what it was supposed to be and there therefore they can mm-hmm. watch it with the eyes that you had or you can just say you know right. what like it may not be anything and everything i wanted to be but i'm gonna let people have their own interpretation you think picasso has an interpretation of what everybody wants to think about his work <laughs> you you think, right you think van gogh has a specific con like has a specific way that he wants everybody to see his work it doesn't matter it doesn't matter mm, because it is yeah. what it is and people are going to take what they want from it it's the same way with movie it's it's the same way with filmmaking people are going to take what they mm-hmm. want and what you have to decide as a filmmaker if you're going to keep doing it because you're never going to be able to tell every single person your story you're not going to be able to tell, ev- I'm not going to be able to tell everybody what I just told you guys about her backstory, about why it makes mm-hmm. sense what's happening to her. I'm not going to be able to say that to everybody. So yeah. I have to be okay with what everybody takes from it and just let it be. That's it. Which you should be really proud of it though, just because I think you really did get across what you meant to get across. And it's got to be hard though, because I know that it's like, you know, every piece of work that you do, it's like, it's like a piece of you in it. And you're like, I'm kind of making myself vulnerable by doing this. And I just want people to, to get it and understand it and appreciate it. You know, so I can imagine that that's like really, it puts you in a vulnerable state, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's the thing I don't think people realize enough is that being a filmmaker is a very vulnerable place. Like the water Phoenix, actually, Mm -hmm. while I was making that film, that was my first short film. While I was making through it, 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 it was, I was going through the most, one of the most emotional times in my life making that movie. And it was sort mm, of, yeah. it was sort of parallel. It was, it was, it became, it was supposed to just be a film about a mermaid. You know what I mean? Like some cool stunts, some cool action. And that's the movie, right? It became <laughs> a movie about a woman 
who was expecting a man to take her out of her mental prison, but realizing she had to take her out herself out of that prison physically mm-hmm. and mentally. Yeah. And that's who I was at the mm-hmm. time I was making that film. I needed to take myself out of this mental prison that I decided some white knight in shining armor needed to take me out. But that guy wasn't coming. He was never coming. Mm. And so I needed to do it myself. And so that's what the water yeah. Phoenix ends up being is, 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 is a existential movie about mm-hmm. me freeing myself. <laughs> that's awesome though. Like it's those kind of stories that speak to people. That's probably why, like, at least for us here, like we, clearly like we we got it you know it's kind of like it relates to people when you you make it personal you know so i yeah i get that it's just interesting that you put it that way that that analogy with the mental prison and stuff like that because i feel like i guess i feel like artists go through that a lot all the time because it's almost like you want the adulation of people you want people to like your material and stuff like that and it's almost like that can be a prison like sometimes you're so consumed with, is everybody going to understand? Is mm. everybody going to interpret it? But maybe the freedom of it is understanding that this is your vision. This is your expression and just being free enough to make that and that be, and you be happy with that because it's from you. It's yours. This is your vision. And I think there is really a challenge to kind of balance the two, or at least I totally feel that. So. And it seems like you did, too, especially making that film and what it became about. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Like, that's what it is. And I think (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what differentiates between like the the people who want to be filmmakers or just want to be directors. And, and, you know, that's they want to direct movies. And then the the people who want to be filmmakers because you have to be the thing that I've realized, like acting and directing, a lot of people are like, oh, acting and directing. No, that seems hard. That seems like, why did you do that to yourself? Especially in this Rebel Without a Crew situation. They're like, really? You want to like yeah. and direct at the same time? <laughs> and, right. and because I'd done it before, it was easier. Like I was like, literally, this is the water phoenix for me. Like this is the same exact situation of like not having enough money. And not having enough resources and needing to make it work. And, but, but one of the things that I can take solace is in, in that I am the lead actor. And if we have something that we can just do with the lead character, I can do it like on the fly. And that actually mm-hmm. helped a lot of times. Like day one, I wasn't supposed to act. Day one was supposed to be the only day that I didn't act on. And it ended up not being that because one of the actors couldn't show up and then like, all this other shit happened and said, suddenly I'm pulling up scenes hmm. that we can do because I'm the lead actor, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, and I'm really happy that you guys enjoyed that part of it is like me being the actress and knowing what I need to do is, is because of that. It was the one reliable thing. One of the, one of the equations I could take out of the situation and control because regardless of anything that's happening, I know because of the water phoenix, I can turn it off and I can just act. I can just be the character and then I could turn it back on. When we call cut and deal with what we need to deal with. Um, right. It's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to put yourself out there and say, this is me. This is part of me. People are not kind of movie reviews. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but also one of the, <laughs> like, exactly as, as being, reviewers yourself you see something but i think mostly what people are pointing out when they give bad reviews to movies is often that 
somebody didn't care. Somebody didn't care about the product. Somebody didn't put thought into it in the way they could, or they didn't allow thought to be put in it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't, they Mm. blocked it in some way. So it's hard to be vulnerable as a filmmaker, but you, you can't create work that is poignant and impactful unless you care about it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. True. Very true. I just feel like I need to say true now after this because everyone else did. It's the only way, Sterling. I mean, that's just like everybody's just like, this oh, is true. Your card, Dad. <laughs> do whatever. No, but like, <laughs> Sterling, I feel like you'd be the one guy to be like, well, actually, I'm just like, what? <laughs> that is, Ooh, I don't, I don't that know is true, that. though. It I is mean, true. First, first, you're hitting me like that, and, and you're implying that I would like to watch a Transformers 12. Like, the thing is, is, you make it sound like I'm watching these Transformers like movies out of that's like some I love do. for the movie. I have I just have to watch them because I that's I'm that's fair. I did make it sound like I did make it sound like it's like oh he gleefully glows goes to the um the the, the theaters watching Transformers twelve when really it's like ah there's a twelve I already seen eleven what's the difference yeah. right <laughs> that is true well I can tell you if they if they follow the trend they've been following like I watched Transformers three and I was like oh man. It po- can't possibly get any worse than this. <laughs> and then I watched Transformers 4. I was like, oh, oh no. I was wrong. <laughs> but it oh, surely, no. surely it can't get any worse than this. And then they had 5 come out. And I was like, they <laughs> fucking gave up. <laughs> I mean, those movies are made to sell product. I mean, we're, we're all being honest here. Those movies are made to sell product. They're made for not mm-hmm. necessarily domestic box office they make a shit ton of money overseas because they're looking at subtitles they're not looking at they're not really hearing the read or whatever they're just it's made to sell stuff and that's what happens like that's what happened with with uh pacific rim 2 pacific rim the first one that's another guilty pleasure that movie's <laughs> good okay i love that movie <laughs> and then yeah. the second one yeah yeah i agree it is good very ambitious yes. it was good i liked it too but the thing is about Pacific Rim is like American yeah. audiences did not give a fuck about that. It just made so much damn money overseas yeah. that that's the only reason why it got a sequel. If it was solely based on domestic, like U.S. domestic, yeah, they wouldn't have fucking touched that ever again. But it just made so much damn movie like money overseas <laughs> that they were like, oh no, we're getting five I loved five the first movies. one. I really did because I'm an anime geek. So it like totally spoke to that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, your your <laughs> cool oh, points dude. just went up. <laughs> now I have to ask you. Wh- now I have to ask oh, you what your favorite the, anime is. The motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you answer that, I think it's funny. It, they went up for Justin, and they went just family yes. down for me. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, got it. Yeah, the digital stuff it went really crazy. But um, uh, yeah, no. So Dragon Ball Z is sort of one of those films that I I hope projects because everybody keeps fucking it up. And I know how to do it correctly. <laughs> there is. There is. There is. Especially after seeing Avengers. There's no way to do that correctly. That's the problem with that logic is there's no good way to do a Dragon Ball Z no, anything. No, it's great. It's great. No, the, the, show, the, the show itself doesn't even do it in a good way. There's no way to improve that. You can't take... So- <laughs> You can't take something that is animated hot garbage and make it not oh, hot garbage. I, I no, move you, you to so the wrong. 
Yes, you are so right. Jess and I love you. We're the best for, we're the bestest <laughs> friends. Yes, we're best we're best friends right now <laughs> because you said Dragon Ball Z is awesome. How, how can you do a good Dragon Ball Z movie without making it 9 hours and have 8 and a half the hours being them just standing there staring because at each other grunting exactly. while their power level So go. that's that's the reason. That right there is the reason why they keep failing is because they think that's the story. They think that's all it's about, but it's not. It's about Goku and Gohan. That's, no, that's what the show it's is. It's about Goku and Gohan and Goku's friends, the Z Fighters, going against things that are about. It's literally the Avengers, but like it's about Gohan. It's about Goku and the Z dude. It's about friendship and putting aside your differences. Hello, Piccolo. Piccolo's black, by the way. Every time I watch it, I'm like, Piccolo's that dude's black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Piccolo right? is definitely the <laughs> brother. Yep. Yep, my friends and exactly. I, we all said that. He's, he's, the, dude, brother. he's the brother. He's the okay, brother. So, yeah, yep. so it's about Goku and the Z Fighters and him and Piccolo, who used to be his adversary, putting their, uh, putting their differences aside to fight the greater, for the greater good of Earth. Man, that's a fucking motherfucking story. I'm going to tell that story. <laughs> And there's so much love and yes. there's love and sacrifice yes. and there's tension and there's yes. times where they feel like giving Jesus. up and you got to keep training fire. and you can't give up. Preach. All that's in there, Sterling. Preach. You're just not appreciating Lord. it. You're just not appreciating it. All right. What, what you guys are like forgetting about this show, though, is you can start watching an episode and then you could not watch that show for five years. And then you can come back to it. I know. And they are going to be like five minutes difference in time from that last episode (laughs) you watch. Because all they do is stand around and they fucking stare at each other and they glow and their hair changes some colors and there's some fucking dirty old man talking about how he want to fuck a schoolgirl. And that's the whole fucking show. And then, yes! Oh wait! It's the people eating. Oh my god! You can't forget people eating in that show. So it's, it's they're literally, eating, and they're literally. standing around, and there's perverted old <laughs> men. Last week, there's no I good way to tell to myself that story. Eating like Goku. So yes, it is just people <laughs> fighting and eating, and that's what. Here's the thing: is like that's what makes it so perfect for a two-hour movie. Because usually the problem is if you have so much content, you can't possibly make that into a two-hour movie, right? Where with Dragon Ball Z, it's like, there's so much shit where they're just going, Kamehameha! Like, they're doing that for like 20 minutes in one episode. <laughs> that was Thank solid. You. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> they do that. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I want to make that movie. I won't say that because oh, no, I just man. morally disagree with it. the anime on every... Oh, no. Sterling's pre- cutting this whole thing out, I know, probably. Right? He's like, oh... <laughs> Bola, I can hear you. This is all going on the cutting report. <laughs> no. Like, as soon as anime you said anime, anime it's oh, just Gundam done. Wing no. is amazing, too. <laughs> yes, Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing. The, you know, that that's a great one, too. And, Sterling, you're just yes. missing out on a lot of good stories. Stories that I think, if you gave a chance, you would like. Like, Attack on Titan. Have you seen that? Or do you know what Attack on Titan is? Oh, I know it's a thing. <laughs> But I mean, you forgot to ask the most important question before you asked me that. Do I give a fuck what it is? Like, <laughs> well, I know you don't now. Well, that's obvious by the past few <laughs> statements. Obviously, you don't care now. But Attack on Titan is cool, though. The one thing is, is you're gonna say some stuff about it to try to convince me to watch it. <laughs> 
I'm going to let you know now it won't happen. No, no, not really. Not really. I've known you long enough. We've known each other for years. I know <laughs> you You are a contrarian to a fault. You wouldn't watch it even if whoa, my whoa, whoa. arguments were convincing. <laughs> That's just who you are. It has nothing to do with being a contrarian. My issue is, is I don't like Japanese anime TV shows. I, I think they are all just just the bottom like bargain bin bullshit. The movies though I do like. I do like a lot of the movies. Like a lot of the studio uh Ghibli stuff and things like that. Like I can get behind that. I just can't get behind a TV show there's. Alright, let me ask Boo. you a question, Jeff. Alright, with this attack on Titan, are there any perverted old men in that entire show? <laughs> uh actually I don't believe that there is. Like Ooh. Attack on Titan's okay. cool, man, because it's like it's like Walking Dead, but anime style. So there's like Wait, these TV big... show or comic. Hmm, I would say it probably a little bit of both because it's the same kind of deal where these people are trapped in this area, they can't get out, and there are these just these giant zombified monsters trying to eat them, and they just basically come, they consume everything around and everything, and it's about these people trying to survive this situation and they migrate and move to different places and stuff like that and there are all these different characters and some of the soldiers and that's the perspective that you get are kind of like these warriors that are going out trying to fight them but they're undermanned they're undermatched these giants are just ridiculously strong so it's it's really an awesome show actually it's one that I think you would enjoy because it's not about like, oh, I find a hidden power within and it's not really that kind of style. It's more of like that survival horror type of style, but it's anime. So it's just badass. And I think actually you would like it. It's a lot different from your typical anime shows. But anyway, there's my plug for Attack on Titan and. <laughs> Bola, you so, should definitely check that out. I think you would really like it. I love it. I'm gonna check it out for sure. Yeah, I mean, it it, it gets it gets it does get some some bonus points because you said there there you don't remember there being any dirty old men <laughs> in it, but it does get some points knocked against <laughs> it because like as much as you guys like to say I'm a completionist, I refuse to watch The Walking Dead anymore. Like I stopped watching that season <laughs> ago. And I can't, I, I won't go back yeah, to it. Yeah, it's can't. rough for that one right now. But yes, I agree with that. Man, it, it, and it was so good. I loved it for so long. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you do like a costume, Bola, where you were um, Michonne for Halloween or something? Like oh that? my God. I can't believe you remember that. That was totally I on do my remember like, that. Instagram or something. <laughs> it was I good. Did. I you was did like a good job. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was and good. And it was like the two guys behind me are like the electricians from the show I was working on. And they were just, <laughs> I was like, hey, just pretend to be dead dudes. And I showed them the picture <laughs> and they, they nailed it. It was great. That was awesome. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I was just sad. Like they somehow, it, w with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, they somehow ruined the character of Negan. And I just, I can't go back. I haven't watched <laughs> it in a long time. And I don't think I ever will. Aww. So fuck you guys. I'm not a completionist. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> He's like, I can do it. I can stop watching something because it's shitty. <laughs> well, it's, it's it, oddly enough, it's only it's only TV shows I can do that with. I can't do it with movie series, but I can stop TV. There you stuff. go. Like I was watching uh, Once Upon a Time oh! for a while, and then like I think three quarters of the way 
three quarters of the way into the second season. I was like, you know what? No, this just sucks. And I just stopped. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, once upon a time, I was watching. I can't remember where I stopped. I think I stopped season three, I think. Um, and I did feel it go a little, a little. But now that it's ended, I might check it out again. Because, like, besides, Sean McGuire is in my fucking short. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. That is true. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I also, I never finished Glee. I watched every episode of Glee, with the exception of the entire last season. Oh. And I don't think I'll ever touch that again, <laughs> it's either. An, it's, it's very hard. I worked on that, too. That's on my IMDb, but I worked on that. I did. You worked season on Glee? Season oh, awesome. three, mostly. Season three towards the end and um, it was like I think it was the last or close to the last season that Corey was on who was really awesome he was an awesome guy so it really sucked to see that you know mm. him it's, it was really sad to see him go because he was such a nice guy and so welcoming and open um, but I worked on Glee and it was really fun because being a musical theater kid as, as Heather knows because she also was a music <laughs> theater kid and so it just brought me back to a lot of those feelings mm-hmm. you know working on the show yeah no it's yeah that's that's awesome one quick thing so you you talked about how if you got the chance you would love to do a Dragon Ball Z movie yes <laughs> okay like but like one of our questions typically is for a situation like this like if there is a franchise or a movie that you could either like do a reboot or a sequel to, like if you could like go into a franchise or like restart a franchise oh, or I have all three. something like that, is there one that you would love to do? I have three. I have three because they're like the biggest right, movies. Then. They're movies that I like feel like I need like Lord of Rings. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, this is what this could be. So that the answer to that is, is <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy. But I want to make a Final Fantasy VII, specifically that part of the Final Fantasy group. And that kind of leads into my mm-hmm. anime group. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You are the most <laughs> awesome person in the world. You're the most awesome person in the world. That is yes. my favorite Final Fantasy. I'm wearing a necklace that is Cloud's oh uh, sword, like, it. right now as oh we speak. <laughs> We're best friends. <laughs> okay, re- real talk, though. Real talk. Real talk. Can we all admit Final Fantasy VIII is still infinitely no! better than Seven, though? Because no! it is. Die! Die! No, it is not. Die! No, it is not. Everything about it. The story is better. The no. summons are better. The, the gameplay, gameplay was okay, better. Look. The junction no, system is no. infinitely better than the materia system. For one, also the symbol. You've got the Buster Sword, dude. I've got the fucking Lionheart. Ah! That's an infinitely better like symbol than the Buster Sword. Because I've got that tattooed on me. That was my first tattoo. That is infinitely better than just the entirety of the game of Final Fantasy. Look, though. the gameplay, I will agree that the gameplay... No, Ota, Ota Misha was forgettable. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, Ota Misha, the villain, is forgettable. Like, who even remembers her? But Sephiroth is like an icon. Yes. You're crazy. <laughs> You're absolutely yeah, crazy. Yeah, but ultimately... Ultimately, if you think about it, as far as characters go, Cloud is forgettable. Cloud ultimately does nothing. Cloud is like ripping off like his what's 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 that guy's name? The guy whose life he essentially steals and all that shit. Like it's 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 boring. It's just a boring story. Nah, man, dude. Here's You're crazy. The thing. You're here's insane. The thing. I will agree that the the play the playing in Final Fantasy VIII is better, but that's because it's the newer version. So like. That's all, but as far as story and engage and like and refreshment and renewal, I mean, seven is 
Seven is the shit, man. It's why people keep asking for a newer <laughs> version of that. It is the shit. Like, I fucking love it. Vincent, you know, and, and, and I called him Spiz. I changed his name and I really, uh, Barrett. Tiffa, dude, there was a love triangle. <laughs> Tiffa and like Aries is like, and yeah, Aries yeah. leaving was a big thing. Like, come on, man. Like, you don't, you, it was amazing. <laughs> I can't even, but here's the thing is like, if seven was successful, if I made, if I was lucky enough to make that trilogy, like I know it would be in my head. Like I know that movie. I know those movies and they would make so much money if I could just get a chance to do them. Then doing eight would be the next <laughs> version. You know, it'd be sort of the, the version of like Star Wars is going on right now. Like you got all these different worlds going on, but they're in the same world. So like doing that, you know, I could still tell that story because I do love eight. I just don't think it's better than seven. I do love eight though. <laughs> and plus also eight, eight well, but real quick though, but plus eight okay. had a better weapon. Come on. The, okay. bu- the buster sword is yeah. garbage. Eight did have a better <laughs> weapon. Sword, I will amazing. agree that eight had a better weapon. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. School for okay. life. I might <laughs> have to. I might have to concede that, but that's it. Exactly. It's the only superior exactly. thing about it. It's like that's, that's the it. only thing. It's it's better play because it's the it's the latest. You know what I mean? And then it has a better it has a better weapon. But other than that, like fucking Cloud is the shit, and his whole team. I can't wait to tell that story if I ever get the chance. <laughs> and then the other ones, yes, is Dragon Ball Z. I already touched on it. I want to redo Dragon Ball because people keep fucking it up. And then, um, <laughs> well, please do, please do, because Dragon Ball Evolution was terrible. We d- actually we do this thing, we do this thing called the uh, movie matchup sometimes. Yeah. And one time we pitted, uh, we did a which was the worst out of those like anime, uh, mo- real life, real life anime movies that should have been good but weren't. And we put Dragon Ball Evolution against uh the Shyamalan's uh oh, airbender dude so or avatar whatever so we put those against each other and every just about i swear like 80% of the people on there was like dragon ball it's terrible <laughs> it's an abomination why did it ever come out so i wish you could do that you need to find a way redeem dragon ball I thought Dragon Ball Evolution was respectable considering its source material. Uh, maybe it was maybe oh, respectable God. in comparison to Avatar because I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Justin. And this is how much we're best friends already. Is because guess what? The third movie <laughs> I would like to redo is nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> yes, score one for the good so guys. I would love to redo. I would love, love, love to redo the Last Airbender. That would be a great honor because that also was a built-in trilogy that never happened. And I just feel like if somebody was a fan of the show and really knew those kids and really knew what the purpose of that story was and told it the way it's supposed to be told and included the writers of the show, you could make so much money off of that mo- that movie. It was, it was so, it, the show was so good, and I'm really sad that unless you watched the show, you understood how awesome the storytelling is in that and that whole thing. It was it was so good. Yes, I totally agree. I just tried it on the the recommendation of a friend, and I was like, "Eh, whatever, I'll try this." And this is after it had been released, and there were DVDs and stuff for a while, so I didn't get to um watch it while it was on television, or at least when its first television run. But I was blown away by The Last Airbender. I-, I was blown away by Avatar. It was awesome. Loved the characters. Tough was my girl. Oh, 
so like uh you know and, and just the story yeah yeah that's my girl man she was cool that's a really cool character cool personality but um i just loved how blunt she was and everything and the whole thing about her being blind but just having that her unique senses and stuff it, it, it's an awesome it really show is. but yes really, that really definitely is. needs to be redeemed yes, i agree and it's so it's on my list of things that i would love to if i had ever, ever had a chance to do so what would be what's the next thing on your list of like filmmaking what you're going to be doing what's next is i am uh, i am writing i'm writing and um trying to write stuff that I can shoot either later this fall or early next spring um, and and just, you know, make my my next feature and make it what I want it to be uh, with the constraints with the time and money constraints that I'm used to having. Um, no surprises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the thing that that <laughs> Rebel was, has taught me. It's like if somebody had come to me with you know, a quarter of a million and been like, I can, you know, help me make a movie with a quarter of a million. I, before this, I would have been like, ah, I can have a half a million, like can have a little more money, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going through these experiences made me go, Oh man, I could do a, a ton with that money <laughs> now. Um, uh, so right. Yeah. yeah you, you just, you sort of, you sort of measure it against what you just last did and like having, you know, even a first AD would be just a blessing. Like other, <laughs> other than that. Um, right. Yeah. You know, everything's going to seem easy compared to this, which is, is a gift from what it was. It's like, I'm prepared to do the nitty and gritty no matter what and still get what I want to do and hopefully still get that polished look that everybody refers to on my movies. Yeah. Anyway, like regardless of money, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it, it just needs to look good. Um, so I'm working yeah. on something that um, hopefully grounded sci-fi, you know, sort of in the vein of, of arrival and, and on the run as it is, because I did take a lot of my uh, visual and a lot of my visual storytelling and, and feelings, mood feelings from that movie. Um so if I can do some and slight, yeah. if you guys haven't seen the movie slight, which was a Sundance darling, like three, four years ago, I really wanted to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a movie. That's a perfect example. Cause that was made for a quarter of a million and is very much like a grounded sci-fi movie. Like I like, so something like that. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. But I'm also like, I'm also trying to get, you know, um, into TV a little bit. So I've, I've submitted to all these programs. You know, there's so many, they're very competitive. All these, uh, studio programs mm-hmm. that you can hopefully get an episode of a show on. So I'm waiting to hear about those whilst also writing and, and working on a music video. This, um, new artist named Donna Missile. Uh, I really like her voice. She sounds like a Jesse J cross with a, Nice. Lana Del Rey to me. Yeah, she's got a great voice. One of, one of those music videos comes out this this Friday, I think. Um, and I produced that, and I'm producing her awesome. next one. And I'm just keeping busy, just keeping busy, trying to keep moving forward and and keep creating. Yeah, that's great. Wow, that's awesome. But we also really would love for you to come back on because. Like, this has been so great. And I feel like you would have so many more awesome stories and great input. So we'd love for you to come come back on. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. This is, this is so much fun. And, you know, I just like, like I said, I like talking about movies with other geeks because they get it. Like fucking Jason, who knew I would find my anime brother on this podcast? Like, I don't even know. (laughs) There you go. There you go. 
And and Devin's a huge fan of anime too, so he would have been right there with. Oh with yeah, me. we gotta so, have you on when he's yeah. able to to stay on longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna have to definitely do that. Oh, are you guys a part of the uh, the Black Extraordinary Nerd Group on Facebook? Definitely not. No. No, but it sounds fantastic. <laughs> you, you really, you and Devin really I, need to join that have to because it's like it. people like us. It's like you're black and nerdy in the ways that you don't feel like other people are black and nerdy, but then you find your little group and you're like, Oh my God, I miss you guys. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to that group. I'm going to definitely like find a way it. to send you an invite. So, it sounds right up my alley. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Okay. Please do. Please do. But now that, now that we've been talking a bit, I do have a question. Just with all the experiences you've had and everything like that for aspiring filmmakers, aspiring screenwriters, because I, I mean, I do a little bit of, um, screenwriting myself. I haven't produced a film yet, but, um, Sterling and I even wrote like a pilot for a sci-fi TV show idea we kind of had. And I've got, I've written some stuff, but you know, just getting started, really learning the process, educating myself, stuff like that. And Sterling is too, but. Do you have any like um advice for just aspiring writers, filmmakers, stuff like that? You know, what is something that maybe two or three things that you would like to say to them or people who are trying to get into this industry? Make it. You write it and you go out and you make it. You get a camera. It's easier now than ever to just grab a camera and shoot something and edit it yourself using, you know, um Creative Cloud, which is like a, you know, $20 $25 per month subscription. I think it's totally worth it. I use it all the time. I use InDesign. I use Photoshop. I use Illustrator. And you get all of these applications with $20, $25 a month. Um, one thing that I wish I'd done is just like, just go out and shoot stuff. And Josh on the show, he, he, he does that all the time with just his friends, you know, just no expectations, just going out there to just shoot something and just completing it. Because when you do something, when you shoot something, you complete it and you put it out there, people will come. It's so fucking corny. It's like, it's like feel the dream shit, like build it and they will come. I mean, it's true. I, I had been having this wish and this, this dream to try and do something more. And until I finished the water Phoenix, which was my short, first short film, mind you had been in the business for eight years at that point already feeling like I was trying to climb up a ladder. But the problem is this industry is not a ladder. It's not something that's very, that's a very strict construct. You have to create your own way in and creating your own way in is by writing those scripts. And then by taking the next step and making those scripts into reality and shooting them, no matter, no matter what it is and not judging them when you shoot them, because when you just put it out there, when you just do it, there's somebody else who's just sitting back and wishing that they had. And that's the difference between you and people who are making the stuff. So I would just say like, you know, any aspiring filmmakers, like, I would just say, you know, write it, shoot it and put it out there because someone's going to see it. Someone's going to be inspired by it. Someone's going to see what you meant to say, whether or not it comes through completely or a little bit. They're going to see it. Someone's going to see what you were seeing. And that is the most rewarding thing as a filmmaker, because that's the reason why you do it is is to have someone reflect and see what you've been seeing and and connect with somebody else. That's what it's about. And when you have the aspiration just to put your voice out there and you, you have no idea what kind of an impact that can have. I had so many people after seeing the water Phoenix and even just 
the the screenings that we have it's not even online yet i mean there's been some some articles about it online which are great and the comments on it are always like oh my god finally a black mermaid i've never seen a black mermaid i'm so glad to see this mermaid someone who looks like me and that's exactly why i did it and i feel like if you just find whatever you're trying to say and put it out there you'll find some people who connect and you'll inspire other people and that's what it's all about awesome thank you for that i've i am inspired i know what i'm gonna do now thank you you moved us into silence with that that was just that was one of those times where i need to use that royalty free inspirational music i got (laughs) so there you go that's those are my feelings there and and they've they've definitely they've always been my feelings and they've been heightened by this show and and been by the filmmakers i'm surrounded by and that's why to me the filmmakers that I get exposed to are the most valuable assets of mm, anything I'm awesome. doing is the other filmmakers. Cause you remember why you're doing this. Yeah. I'm going to have that music just play over this entire <laughs> section at this point. Final thoughts with Bola. Just keep following it up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we really have enjoyed your time with us tonight and uh, we would definitely love to have you come back on and talk other things and, we could probably go for several more hours if we, right. <laughs> if it wasn't like midnight right. here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Other than that, real quick, is there anything else you want to plug as far as like stuff you have uh, going or just reiterate what we've already talked about with your, with the show and stuff like that? Um, I mean, no plug. Other than like follow, follow Are We Good Parents? Um, the Are We Good Parents page on Facebook. It's just, are we good parents, luckily? And then um, I have my own personal page. I am Bola Ogan on Facebook as well. I, I update that as much as I can with whatever's going on with me. Um, I'm doing a UCB show, an Upright Citizen Gate show this this Friday, but this will come after that. But um, mostly just keeping out for what I do as a filmmaker because mm, filmmakers yeah. can't do anything without people watching. So that's it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we, we really do love it. And... Uh, we had a lot of fun watching like are we good parents and uh on the run those were it was a really great thing to be able to yeah. watch those and we do appreciate you letting us you know get to to see those yes, and everything definitely. for this yeah, thank, thank you, you for that. that thank you very much thank you thank you i'm glad you guys asked me to come heather i'm so fucking proud of you for doing what you're doing like this is so cool well, ditto you know like you have a whole <laughs> platform and you have this whole thing going on like that's awesome you you did that <laughs> well thanks like no it's been really great like i think just because all of us on here have such different opinions and views on things and different perspectives and it's just really cool to kind of like you were saying with you know being around other filmmakers you know it's like you just learn from each other. You play off of each other. And it's it's really cool. And just having you and your experience here, it's been really cool. And we can go back to our, um, you know, maybe our 20-year graduation and just be like, yeah, we're awesome. So <laughs> Yeah, we did that. We did that. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly you did that, but I can pretend. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all good. I, I love it. And and you guys, you guys make it worth it. So thank you. Thank you for this. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Other than that, uh, check out our Facebook page, guys, Cinema Slayers. Check out our website, cinemaslayers.com. Twitter, Cinema Slayers under, or Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, Instagram, we're Cinema Slayers. We have our merch shop on the website. We have a ton of reviews. Uh, right now, we do have mine and Justin's differing 
Avengers Infinity War opinions up there. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, we're doing our movie matchups on the Facebook page and we'll be having that podcast coming to you shortly. Uh, so other than that, go to all those things, check us out. And uh, we really appreciate you listening. And anime sucks. So there you go.